The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. If anybody of this little party has fatty liver, liver disease, I have to be in the highest percentile. Yeah, that's why you <laughs> float when you swim. <laughs> <laughs> Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. Your liver is your body's workhorse. When was the last time you ever considered how is it doing? If you're not aware, your liver is your body's primary filtration system and converts toxins into waste products and then takes out the trash. It cleanses and filters your blood, metabolizes and breaks down nutrients and all medications from anti-seizures uh, meds to blood pressure to cholesterol and chemo meds and also just what you took for your last headache. It also produces proteins. How do you know that it's keeping up with all of that? It can feel like a complete minefield to figure it out. If you're actually even considering, hey liver, how you doing? Sure, a healthy liver can naturally cleanse itself. It works really hard 24 seven, but especially overnight. Of course, there's a chance that it might not necessarily be functioning as optimally if it's constantly faced with being fed a crappy or poor diet, is working to keep up with all the medications that you need to take, and has to deal with daily environmental toxins like pesticides that are sprayed on foods, chemicals that are just everywhere, and also in things like your cleaning products and what you shower with. And then of course, there's just pollution. The liver, it's susceptible to inflammation and disease. And if you've ever heard of the potential damage to your liver, it could be from excess alcohol. And you might have heard of something called fatty liver disease or even cirrhosis. You have not or you have, Chris? Uh, no, I just feel like you're talking directly to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the, well, the foods, the toxins, the alcohol. Yep. <laughs> I'm just going to pull up a chair and I'm going to be a good yep. boy and I'm going to listen in because I think this is important for someone like me. The, you know what? This is actually most important for men. Oh, specifically for men. 60%. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Okay. A specific type of liver disease is called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And that's a buildup of excess fat in the liver that can lead to liver damage resembling the damage that's caused by alcohol abuse, but that occurs in people who do not drink heavily. NAFLD, or N-A-F-L-D, that it's shortened to because non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is quite the mouthful to say every time. And it's the most common liver disease in Canada, affecting about 7 million people. In the U.S., it's over 90 million people. I think that's also because there's a lot more right. of, of them than us. Yeah. And ready, gents? This is you too, Chris. You got to listen up because it does affect... 60% of you hmm. with the typical fat around the middle that happens as you age. So this one might be more for you guys out there than us ladies. I have a thyroid issue. That's my problem. 
he says with those sheepish eyes in my Zoom video, like he's trying to get away with something else. You, you have no this idea is issue. how many times I've heard people say that to me, that I have a thyroid issue and I want to believe them. I really do. However, the fat deposition, the where the fat deposition ah. is in someone makes a big difference. We have visceral, visceral fat around our organs, obviously, you know, around the abdomen. Mm -hmm. And if you actually have the belly, which happens from stress. We've talked about that last week with Dr. Christine Matheson. We've, there's so many reasons for that abdominal fat to happen, but while you're seeing it on the outside, then there's also the visceral fat that sits around the organs on the inside. And then what we're talking about here with the NAFLD is fat within the liver, not around it, not like bubble wrapping up the liver, keeping it safe in there. It's in your liver. And that is so concerning. Now, this is actually a topic that one of our loyal listeners, Chris, came to us with because it's a bit of a heavy one. So they said, can you please talk about this? Because it's pretty specific. So today on Eat This with Leanne, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And I've asked my esteemed colleague and regular expert on this podcast, Dr. Davis Brockenshire, to help us do a deep dive into this disease so that you know what you need to be aware of. Hungry for information. If you're trying to picture what a fatty liver actually looks like or how it comes to be, think about the controversial practice of overfeeding geese and ducks, carbohydrates from corn and grains for a French delicacy called foie gras. Now that is a whole other topic and it's quite unpleasant when you actually dive into it, but I thought that that was a really good analogy if you actually know what that what happens there. And it's not like these ducks and geese are being fed a whole bunch of steak or bacon or the skins being left on the chicken so they're actually eating a lot of high fat foods. No, they're actually being fed carbs to create a fatty liver. Sugar, refined and processed carbs, and high fructose corn syrup all seem to be the contributing factor, say many, many studies about the cause of NAFLD. I'm working with a client at the moment who has NAFLD. She drank pop for years. She then became diabetic, and then came the NAFLD diagnosis. I've read that high fructose corn syrup found in our processed food, it's the single biggest cause of fatty liver. Well, it's the soda pop, right? Anything that comes in a can with the bubbles that tastes sweet, which frighteningly is the number one source of calories in the Western diet, is the biggest cause of fatty liver. Now, I'm not saying that the research is. How do you know that you have it? Well, we will get on to that, but just know that it's a major cause of chronic disease and inflammation in the body and quite a silent one. Now, there are many more questions that you need to ask at your next doctor's visit. So to start answering the burning questions that you didn't even know that you needed to ask, as we once again speak with functional medicine expert, Dr. Davis Brockenshire from Innovative Health Solutions in Michigan. Now, Dr. B, if you haven't heard him before, he's just got a way of explaining explaining the complicated and making it understandable. He still blows our brains, doesn't he, Chris? Really? Absolutely. like Every time. But we walk away more knowledgeable without a doubt. And if there's a topic where we need a big picture first and then into the deep dive to know what it is that you need to look out for this particular disease, this is it. 
So welcome back, Dr. B. It's a nice light topic to discuss today, but I think it pairs nicely with our episode about what does booze do to your body, but coming at the whole liver situation from a completely different angle. So thank you so much for joining us again today. Thanks for having me back, Leanne. This is a great topic. You you want to talk about NAFLD, NAFLD. non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, N-A-F-L-D, mm-hmm. as opposed to fatty liver disease, which... You know, back in the 80s, we saw a lot of that in medicine for obvious reasons. Quick review of the media in the last 24 hours in the medical world, they'll talk about how the consumption of alcohol in America is America's new pastime. So they're warning doctors to, hey, ask better questions of your patients. Have you been day drinking, et cetera? Mm. As you know, I think in North America, alcohol has just been part of society for so long that... uh, you know, there's diseases named after it now. But right. uh, the story today is about fatty liver disease that's not caused by alcohol, which is a bit of a misnomer. And, and we don't have to, you know, bone into the whole like, biochemistry of it. But at the end of the day, the damage from alcohol and non-alcohol fatty liver disease comes from the same chemistry. Okay. So, you know, if you've been living your life well and you're following all the rules and being the best you can be health wise, you can still have fatty liver. And so I think today we'll kind of go on a journey on how that happens um, because it is epidemic. I'll give you some symptoms as to what to look for in everybody and people can check themselves. Uh, but let's let's get up to speed here. Uh, you know, so if everybody touches the right side of their body, that's the liver side. And I think more people know how to make microwave popcorn than they do know where their organs are. And so the liver is on the right side of the body. It's also the first solid organ that gets exposed to any of the waste products from metabolism. Things like ammonia, aldehydes, uh, waste, waste products from digestion. Mm-hmm. The liver is the first one that gets the hit. Yeah. And so it, it, it does get beat up a lot. And uh, that's why. You know, it, it can take a beating, but that's why we're seeing these, uh, what we would call a chronic degenerative metabolic condition. We're seeing it earlier and earlier and younger and younger. Um, at the end of the day, if you're getting diagnosed with non-alcoholic fatty liver, your end result is going to be liver cancer. And that's the point of this is even though you think, well, I don't need to listen to this podcast because I don't have this, I don't have this situation. I do believe that you need to listen up because this is, this is like you said, it's an, it's an epidemic. Yeah. So, so let's start with that. Like, how would you know that you have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? How do you know? Well, I've got a great list of symptoms. It might involve a mirror. You're going to have to look at yourself under, you know, full light. So don't, okay. don't be afraid. Look at the mirror with your shirt off. Not right now, but, you know, in in the privacy of your own home or hotel room. So symptoms of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, poor sleep quality, being fatigued during the day, generalized sense of fatigue, pain in your upper abdomen. So if you find the V in your rib cage, if you have pain around that area, that's a common symptom. Okay. If you wake up with a flat tummy, but by lunch, you're extremely bloated and gassy, that's another symptom. Mm-hmm. Here's a good one. 88% of people with a non-alcoholic fatty liver report anxiety. 
So if you have chronic anxiety, that could be one of the warning signs. 87% report an increased sense of thirst. So you're drinking, but you just can't quench your thirst. You get this sense of feeling hot all of a sudden and not a hot flash. Okay. Your hands might get hot. Your feet might get hot. Uh, Hands and feet being itchy all of a sudden. That's a sign. Chronic constipation is another sign. But the one that hits me, the one that really made me look at this topic is the average age of people with non-alcoholic fatty liver is 41 years old. Whoa. So this isn't a geriatric problem. All right. This a lot of us, the three of us included, are in that age bracket. One of the things to remember, if we go back to the beginning of how these things happen, is it all starts in the gut. Right. If you go back to any of the work you've done on the microbiome and, and probiotics and gut dysbiosis, if you've got anything going on with your gut, you're on the fast track to cirrhosis. And cirrhosis can only happen in fatty liver. Right. So you need something to trigger this. So if you want to prevent this, take better care of your gut. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's some reasons why this is happening to us now, as opposed to, say, 50 years ago. Uh, the number one thing you can do is get moving. The more physically active you are, the less likely you are to have this, because at the end of the day, fatty liver is a is an energy distribution problem. You're just not using the energy that you have. Uh, the other thing is stop eating so much junk. And Leanne, you're you're the pro here. I'll let you you know attack that concept. Yeah. Another thing that is slowly getting changed is the sugar fructose. Our food supply is rich in fructose, primarily corn syrup. Yeah. And corn syrup is the number one dietary cause of fatty liver disease. It's the number yeah. one thing that I put on my ice cream. That's yep. what it is. Or your pancakes or, or your French toast. Absolutely. Even in tomato that. sauce. Yeah. Ketchup. Yep. All those sauces that you have in your fridge, your relish, the stuff you're going to put on your burger the next time you're having a barbie, all high fructose corn syrup. All fast food is full of fructose. Agave uh, syrup. Agave oh, syrup agave is, is ex- very high extremely high. So a lot of people, I think in my first book I wrote and and had agave syrup in a lot of my recipes until I realized that, whoa, holy fructose. So yes, no more agave syrup. Right. Now, okay, let's not throw fructose totally under the bus because that's the sugar that's in honey. Our livers can handle roughly 20 grams of fructose in a day. Obviously, the average North American is consuming more than that. But let's let's demonize high fructose corn syrup. Right. Caution out there, since one of the last times we talked, we talked about protein powders. A lot of powdered meal replacements also use fructose in some form. People need to really read the label, right, Leanne? Yes. Always, always, always. always yes. Always, if you're doing always. a meal meal replacement or like an unsure type of thing, then yes, you've got to do that. In the show notes, I forgot to 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 jot this down, but the names of high fructose corn syrup can be not just high fructose corn syrup on the label. So I'll, I'll, I'll list those for you on the show notes on leannephillipson.com. That would be great helpful. So the other thing that gets people a little weirded out about this is you can have it and not know it. Like yeah. blood pressure, right? They're, what are the symptoms? So one of the things that comes up is gout. If you've ever been diagnosed with gout, you're already on the road to fatty liver. Mm. So if you're taking gout medication because you have high uric acid levels, you're on the road to fatty liver. The rumor is 
that you only get gout by consuming large amounts of red meat and alcohol. Is that high purine foods? Yeah. Is that what it is? So that is true. That's not just a. Well, in some cases, right. But high fructose can cause gout. Okay. And people that are type two diabetic will also have gouty symptoms. So if, if any listener is on gout medication, they need to perk up and realize that they're on the road to fatty liver disease. Then we have the whole environmental piece. So in looking at a couple of statistics here, 106 environmental toxins are known to cause non-alcoholic fatty liver. Oh my God, how do I get away from those? In, in Canada, you can because Canada has banned a lot of the uh, agricultural pesticides and herbicides that homeowners can use on their lawn. Of those 106 chemicals, all 106 also dysregulate the thyroid. There's a connection between thyroid health and fatty liver. Mm. So if you have a low thyroid or you're on thyroid medication, you're already on the path to fatty liver. Mind blown. Yeah, ouch. So yeah, how do we fix it, right? We, we, we got a problem. We need a solution. Yep. We're going to get rid of the corn syrup. We're going to fix the gut. We're going to yep. learn how to use prebiotics and probiotics like you always talk about. Yep. We're going to lay off the sugar. Yep. We might consider some intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And another thing, fix your magnesium levels. Hmm. Because everybody with non-alcoholic fatty liver has low magnesium. Well, that's so an easy a, one to do. Easy, easy peasy. There's a correlation yeah. there. Um, for my friends who are shift workers, you know, a lot of the medical community are working through the night. Uh, you never know when you're working these days or when right. you're going to stop working. But right. if you don't have a regular sleep awake cycle, then you're more prone to fatty liver. So much for staying up all night in the canoe, right, Chris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So does it matter? Okay, does it matter how long your sleep pattern is? Like if you go to bed at midnight, wake up at 5 a.m. every day, is that okay? Because it's a regular pattern, but is five hours enough? Five hours, if that's what you can get, that's what you can get. The problem is disrupting the sleep cycle. Gotcha. So like with nurses, if you're going to work three twelves one week and it's days and the next week is three twelves and it's midnights, that's where the problem comes in. Right. So when you keep shifting the the shift work where you go from days to midnights, days to midnights. Um, that's what really throws off the system. Interesting. And so how do you counteract that? Is that just the consumption of the probiotics, prebiotics, the magnesium, that kind of thing? Will that? that yeah. And you want to pay attention to the cortisol rhythm from the last podcast. We talked about adrenal burnout. Right. Uh-huh. So revisit that and look at plant extracts like St. John's wort during the night. There's evidence that that can help. But just be nice to your liver. You know, if you're working midnights, don't come home, drink six beers and uh, have some chicken nuggets and go to bed. Like, that's just going to cheese up the whole system. So you're saying I should have five beers only and then go to bed. Yeah. Let's do two pints instead. Let's (laughs) let's get out of metric for a day. Um, (laughs) There is a simple test you can do on yourself if you're relatively fit. That is... Try intermittent fasting, all right? So you don't eat for about 16 hours and then do a really hard workout with no water. If you get really lightheaded or you feel that dreaded bonk coming on, then you probably don't have fatty liver. Do not have fatty liver. Do not, yes. But if you can fast 16 hours and go run a 10K full throttle and feel just fine, 
you have an energy management problem. And that makes you more prone to fatty liver. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. Interesting. Right. That is interesting. For, mm -hmm. Now, the other fastest way to start reversing this is get rid of pop. Yep. It's a non-negotiable. It it's, just yeah. cannot happen again. Or, you know, you've got pop, but then you also think, oh, I'll just go and get a Gatorade or I'll go get a bottle of lemonade or whatever. Same thing. All that high fructose corn syrup is still in there. So we're calling this the 21st century liver disease epidemic. That's that's what they want to call this. Yep. And it doesn't take much dysfunction to cause this. So what I want people to understand is, you know, your liver can take a beating. You can actually lose almost 80% of your liver function before it really starts to affect you. Right. What non-alcoholic fatty liver is, is where your metabolism can't manage the surplus of energy or the toxicity. So it starts changing the liver cells over to fat cells. And it starts by packing fat cells in between the liver cells. And over time, your immune system says, well, if that's how it's going to be. We might as well join the party. And it starts converting over um, liver cells to fat cells. Unfortunately, after a 5% conversion from liver cells to fat cells, the damage has begun. Right. And your liver will start to scar itself, and that turns into cirrhosis. I always thought yeah. that the the human body, its one function was to try and heal itself um, at That's all times, it right? It's it's all about defense. Yeah. If there's a foreign body or something's off, your body will do everything it can to try and fix itself. But and that's exactly what it's doing, and that's what yeah. it's doing. But by packing the fat cells between the uh, liver cells, it's actually destroying the liver, isn't it? Over time, yeah. Yeah. It's very similar in etiology to what, something called Barrett's esophagus, where if you have chronic heartburn and reflux over time, the cells of your esophagus will actually turn into stomach lining cells. Oh. And then turns into, you know, esophageal cancer. Interesting. So it's a yeah. defense mechanism that in, in over time. Over time, yeah. yeah. Time is the which is good for us because, you know, given patience and time, you can pretty much solve anything. Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutRight.com or LeannePhillipson.com. So today on Eat This with Leanne, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and I've asked my esteemed colleague and regular expert on this podcast, Dr. Davis Brackenshire, to help us do a deep dive into this disease so that you know what you need to be aware of. If you're on the, on the fence, if you're looking down the barrel of, say, type 2 diabetes, if you've been diagnosed with metabolic syndrome, if uh, you're... BMI is OMG, you know, if your body mass index is over 30, um, if you've got this huge spare tire around the middle, yep. you know you're fast tracking towards fatty liver. Right. But it's reversible. What if you've got a set of four tires? What if you got the full if set? If you have all four tires, you got a thyroid problem and you should probably check your ovaries. <laughs> See, I told you, Leanne, at the beginning of the show, I said it might be my thyroid. <laughs> yeah. And your he ovaries, did. Chris. <laughs> because that's what a lot of people say when they have weight issues, right? right? Of course, this has a lot to do with obesity. And when people say, I can't lose weight, yes, it's of course, it's 
extremely possible that there is a thyroid issue and that does absolutely need to be addressed. But if you're sitting down at the same time and having your pop or your Ryan Coke on a Friday night or a Tuesday night or every single night, well, there's more to be said than just, I have a thyroid issue. And it happens over time. We have the diet component. We have the lifestyle component. Science has shown us what's happening and how it happens. And if it wasn't for alcoholics, we wouldn't know anything about this. So we did something right. Right. And with that in mind, because of what we know about alcoholism and how it affects the body, we're getting a better understanding of how those same disease processes happen outside of an alcohol environment. Mm. So as you know, you can't make alcohol without sugar and yeast. Right. And yet, what do most people eat? Sugar and yeast. Pretty much. So they're actually making their own alcohol on the inside. And we've talked about this. And, you yes. know, you know, you have fun with that. But um, <laughs> that slow, steady drip of alcohol that's produced on the inside of your body can also start the process of wearing out the liver. Okay. So I also recall you saying that even if you're not a drinker, which obviously this is NAFLD, it's not about alcohol, then your body is producing alcohol because you've got candida, because you have, and that comes back, circles back to everything that you just said about the gut. So if you've been on antibiotics for a period of time, at any time in your life, I've seen it so many times, people are yeast from birth onwards and they they manage to kind of keep it at bay for a little bit but then they get stressed and then eczema comes up or they end up with you know with with vaginal thrush or athlete's foot or anything like that so if you've got those symptoms then it's not to necessarily say that this is what you're dealing with but it's a part of the big picture that just just don't ignore it I think I've mentioned this before. I feel like a detective when I'm talking to clients. It's you have to speak to someone if it's not yourself. It's so hard. I, I you know, I speak to you, Davis. I speak to 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 Jason as well because I can't figure out all this stuff that's going on for me. So you need to have someone on your team as well as your doctor who can ask the right questions. And Christine Matheson, a naturopath, talked about this last week on the podcast ask the right questions. That's the most important thing to see how you can come back full full circle to figure out if this is something that could affect you. I also find people today ask more questions when they're at their vet than they do Mm -hmm. when they're at their doctors. They care more about their animal than they do their kids. That's true. Or maybe you are asking more questions about your kids and you're not asking them about yourself. It's, It's hard to be in that patient place and remember to ask everything. And I say that from the standpoint of being someone in, you know, I feel is pretty much in the know. And then when I go to my doctors, I just kind of sit there and go, oh, okay. So stress is not affecting my head tremor. Oh, okay. All right. And then, you know, the conversation stops because you sort of just give your power over or something like that to it. So a notebook, write down the questions before you go so that you can make sure that you get through that list of questions that you actually want an answer to. And if they don't know, then you can either, you know, follow up with them after or go and find somebody else that can help you. To rub salt into the wound, too. Talking with ER docs lately, they they really hammer this point home about working with your providers. And that is, when you go to the hospital, you don't want to be there. They don't want to be there. They don't want you there. Right. So their goal is to try and get you out of there. Right. Not solve your problem, just get you out of there. I just want to go home. The same thing when you see your primary doctors. You don't want to be there. They don't want you there. They want you healthy. Bill Mayo said it best. He says, the purpose of the doctor is to put ourselves out of business. 
Right. If we've done our job right, you don't need us. Yes. Um, but that's where coaches come in, right? And so I think the landscape going forward for stuff like NAFLD and AFLD is find yourself a good health coach yeah. that can be accountable. So you got a personal trainer and they make you work out. Mm-hmm. You're going to need a health coach to do the same thing with the diet and lifestyle piece. Yep. They, need, they need to stay on you week to week and make sure you're doing what's required. And if anybody out there listening is thinking, well, this doesn't affect me. If you had antibiotics in the first year of life, you are already on the track towards NAFLD. Wow. You have permanently altered your microbiome that you were born with. And you're going to spend the rest of your life tweaking and balancing that delicate act in the gut. I mean, the three of us have heard in the past, you know, huddled around the campfire in Algonquin Park. Oh, come on, man. Everything in moderation. A little bit won't hurt you. Yep. Fill in the blank. But today, that's not true. A little bit could kill you. I know. I know. You can't live like that, Dr. We're good, Chris. We were born a long time ago, right? In another (laughs) millennium. If you're born after 2000, your ability to party like it's 1999 is over <laughs> because you were born after that. So yeah, it's those different. of us that remember the seventies and eighties, <laughs> a different world. Um, yeah. So unfortunately or fortunately, if you're, if you're really going to get on this program of reversing this, you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for the next generation, right? That's where the value comes in. I think. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the next generation, you know, we've talked about drugs and hormones. And as you know, with hormones, all roads lead to the liver. So if you've got a hormonal problem, you've got a liver problem. Mm-hmm. You want to check and see if you're on the path to that NAFLD situation or else you'll never get the hormones right. And the paradox here is the birth control pill is the number one drug that leads to NAFLD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for every medication you take, you're putting the liver behind the eight ball. Okay. So with all that real depressing talk (laughs) of, oh my God, I'm not doing, you know, listeners are probably sitting here going, I am not doing anything right. You know, we're all going to end up dying one day. We know that, you know, whether it's liver cancer or whether it's something else. Okay. And on that happy note. So while we're still alive and while we are trying to live a life and you know, have the ice cream or the odd pop or the Friday night Ryan Coke or whatever that looks like. When you're in this situation, when you've been diagnosed with NAFLD, then it's time to up the ante and really, really do what Dr. B is saying. Up until that point, if you can find that moderation place somewhere in the middle, I took the pill for years when I was much younger before I did all my training and knew how how bad it was for my body. So just know that if you've done these things in the past and you're still alive and kicking, it's just time to put the pop down. It's time to not buy the candies anymore. It's time to take back some of your health in a way that you really want to. Because I don't know, you tell us, Dr. B, how is this going to affect if someone has NAFLD when they wake up in the morning to when they go to bed, how are they going to feel? How is it going to affect their life? Um, from a day-to-day standpoint? Well, to be very blunt, you'll feel old, fat, tired, and slow. I feel that way, then you're on the road. The good news, we have good news. Okay, let's have it. The liver 
can take a beating. And it has a very powerful inherent mechanism of self-repair. So the same mechanism that caused the NAFLD can be used to fix the NAFLD. It sounds like we're in a Willy Wonka movie, right? (laughs) The snozberries taste like snozberries. Try some more. The strawberries taste like strawberries. The snozberries taste like snozberries. Crazy. Naffle the naffle. Snozberries. Who ever heard of a snozberry? But speaking of snozberry, um, medicinal mushrooms can help with naffle. Really? So things like cordyceps or shiitake, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, oyster mushrooms. If you want to cook some yep. reishi mushrooms, all of those are very useful in helping manage the source cause of naffle, which mm-hmm. is the gut. Yeah. So. Going forward in uh, in the new era, I think everybody needs to start incorporating more medicinal mushrooms and dietary mushrooms into their world. And if you're going to be doing any plant-based diets, please eat more mushrooms. Cool. It's just like everything else. They taste like chicken if you cook them a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. The research on mushrooms coming out is mind-blowing. So glutathione, mm-hmm. right, Chris? Glutathione, right. as we've talked in the past <laughs> is manufactured by our body to protect our cells and particularly the liver. Yes. You can take glutathione orally in a liposomal form. You can even get it injected. So that's one tool you can use to help the liver. But it turns out that mushrooms also make a compound stronger than glutathione. Mm. So everybody should start cooking more mushrooms. If you're going to get a pizza, get some mushrooms on it. All right. right. Stuff like that. Little steps, baby steps. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, reduce the medication. But dietarily, if you've got NAFL, you've got to look at some coach that can help you with intermittent fasting. Now, what about eating more fat? Yeah, NAFL is not the time to do keto. No, but I did read something about having more coconut oil or coconut oil as your choice of fat on a regular basis. The jury's still out on coconut. Uh, on one side, the medical community is like, OMG, don't do coconut. It's all saturated fat. Right. As you and I know, the saturated, polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, that's a different story here. Yep. Coconut doesn't digest into what they think it does. What we know about coconut is it's actually a cell membrane oil. So right. it strengthens and revitalizes cell membranes, which is why it's so good in cosmetics. That particular study you're referencing makes a point that if we're going to reverse NAFLD, we have to change the integrity of those cell membranes so they don't stay as fat cells, they go back to liver cells. And so if you're going to build a house, you need some lumber, but you know, good luck with that. You might as well sell your Porsche. Right. And uh, we've got that going for us. If you're in the interest of reversing NAFLD, then you've got to get yourself a very high quality milk thistle extract. Milk thistle? Is that what you said? Milk. So also known as St. Mary's thistle for my friends up near Tobomori, you'll see St. Mary's thistle growing in the ditches along the farmer's fields. Really? Is our primary herb for the liver. Oh, yeah. But you got to use the seed. You can't use the leaf for the root or the stem. It has to be the seed. So when you're buying a milk thistle extract, it has to say milk thistle seed or else Mm. it won't work. I don't know that I've actually ever read the label or seen a label, not read the label. I read all the labels, uh, seen a label that said the seed on it, though. Got to be the seed. It'll, yeah, if it's good stuff, it'll say seed. Okay. So Chris, you'll appreciate this. The beauty of science, right? Beauty, eh? Is that we like to kill mice for fun. So there should be a statue to mice 
instead of Ryerson where they've taken his head and right. stuck it on his face somewhere, you know, let's put a statue to a mouse where Ryerson's statue used to be. What they what we've learned about naffled from mice is that we actually give mice naffled. Right? We inject them with stuff to try and kill them and give them naffled. When you then inject them with milk thistle seed extract, mm-hmm. not only did it reverse the naffled, mm-hmm. but when they tried to kill the mouse, it didn't die. So the milk thistle seed extract not only repaired the liver, it prepared the liver for the next insult. Wow. Huh. So there's some mutant mice walking around. Seriously. <laughs> See, I knew but, my I knew my alcoholism would uh, I'd end up in a ditch someday because of it, but I never thought it yeah. would be to to gather milk thistle seeds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the Scottish listeners will be clapping up and down right now. They all hail the thistle. Exactly. Exactly. But, uh, our oh best medicines God. come from weeds, and milk thistle is our number one weed for reversing naffled wow yeah and and, it- and li- literally the weed a dandelion is incredibly supportive for your liver dandelion root yes for the liver dandelion leaves for the kidneys ah so if you're gonna go out and pick some dandelions right eat the greens yep but take the roots dry them once they're cleaned and turn them into a tea and then you have a liver tonic there yeah. was actually a study done at the university of windsor years ago where they successfully reversed leukemia and lymphoma using dandelion root juice. Yeah. Seriously? Fresh pressed juice. They collected the roots. They collected dandelions from underneath the Ambassador Bridge. You already know how toxic that land is, right? Wow. And they reversed. They have cases, over five cases, where they reversed these cancers. The problem is the reason it didn't go anywhere is nobody could synthesize those compounds because they couldn't figure out what it was in the root that was doing it. Wow. So it had to be the fresh pressed juice. Fascinating. Yeah. My, uh, my, my mom died of died of lymphoma. And actually it was from the the trial chemo blue stuff, I called it. It was like they yeah. injected injected her with uh, blue ink um, yeah. when nothing else worked. Who knew that the dandelions that she covered with um, with pesticides for most of her life. How ironic is that, right? Yeah. The ultimate irony is the chemical we use to kill dandelions causes liver failure in mammals. Yep. But the dandelion root is the cure for that liver failure. How's that for the state of society? Uh, Crazy town. Weird. Crazy town. Crazy dandelion town. wine, Chris. We're going to make dandelion wine. <laughs> there we go. Well, see, you I, guys like, are, I like the sound of that. You guys are, are telling me I can't have pop anymore. And the oh. only thing I drink with whiskey besides being straight is pop. So now I got to figure out something else to put with it. So I figure we'll try dandelion juice first. See how that works. <laughs> Let's be realistic. You can have pop. It just has to be made from sugar. No corn syrup. Okay. All right. All right. So if you're having two to four ounces of pop a week and it's made from sugar, that's irrelevant. Gotcha. Right. And what pop is made from sugar? All of the main brands that come from Mexico, they use cane sugar. Okay. Uh, And a lot of the boutique pops, like uh, some of the good root beers and ginger beers. Mm. So if you're looking for a good Moscow mule or something like that, that's, okay. that's what we're going to use. Right? Now you're okay. speaking my language. Uh, root Whiskey and root is my favorite. It's my absolute whiskey favorite. Root, yeah. yep. And so the, the plant that makes the root beer flavor is sarsaparilla. Again, it's good for there the we go. Now Chris, Chris is smiling <laughs> again. Chris is smiling <laughs> right. again. 
He's, He's happy. Jig. He's happy. <laughs> okay, so how do you 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 gave us the lovely list of check out, you know, check out how you look in the mirror, have a feel of your body, uh, you know, are your hands itchy, are your feet itchy, all of those things. Now, when you go to your doctor and say, I heard this podcast and I think I've got naffled. Mm-hmm. And like, what tests are they going to do? And like, what happens there? How do, yeah. how is NAFLD diagnosed? So the simplest way to get a beat on it is a metabolic panel. Okay. So we want to look at, you know, the usual cholesterol, HDL, LDL, you know, the so-called good and bad cholesterol and triglycerides. Yeah. Then we look at your A1C, which is your 90 day average of blood sugar. Um, look at blood pressure yeah. and your body mass index. And if you're seeing triglycerides more than six times greater than your good cholesterol, then your HDL that is. Yeah, you're you're there. You're you're rocking fatty liver and diabetes. Okay. Even if your sugars seem okay, if that fat dysfunction is so high that um, it's greater than six times. So let's say your your HDL is forty. Yep. If your triglycerides are three hundred. You've got fatty liver. Uh, In some cases, you know, some people are so screwed up that they they actually have to chill their blood in the fridge first, scrape the fat off the top, and then run it because there's so much fat in their blood that they can't even process it through the equipment. Wow. So that's where it comes back. Can't calculate your LDL because you get too much grease in your bloodstream. If you've been diagnosed with diabetes... Uh, a type two diabetes, is it a, is it fair to say that this is something that you really need to be watching out for, or can you be diabetic and not at risk for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? You're type two diagnosed. You already have it. The fun thing here is the main drug that's used for type two is glucophage, metformin. Yep. All right. That actually helps NAPLD. Mm. Uh Yeah. Now, what's cool about drugs is they don't always know how they work. Right. For 40 years, they've been giving Canadians metformin for their diabetes. Right. And they just figured out how it works. It does the exact same cellular process as intermittent fasting. Really? Yeah, it stimulates AMPK. So that's how it works. Now we know how it works. Hey, this could actually help with non-alcoholic fatty liver. Are medications normally given for, for NAFLD? Not particularly. It's more of a diet and lifestyle thing because... Again, like Chris said, your body's a self-regulating organism. It's trying to heal itself. Always. So like I say with autoimmune disease, you know, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> That's what you have to do with NAFL. You okay. got to change your ways or it's going to end up with cirrhosis, which then goes to liver cancer. As you know, the percentage of diabetic Canadians is growing fast. And there are different populations that are more prone to these situations. Uh, it's a sensitive subject, but First Nations people through North American are the most prone to this. Okay. Their metabolism is so good at going without fuel that when you give it fuel, it's like, whoa, we should save some. Mm. And a lot of what we know about the metabolism comes from the Four Corners regions of the United States where they tested thousands of Pima and Ute natives to try and figure out, you know, why are 18 year olds getting type two diabetes? And that's what they figured out. It's like, whoa, it's food surplus. And so a lot of the research behind intermittent fasting then comes from that body of knowledge 
And, uh, you know, maybe we should learn from our ancestors a bit and not gorge so much. Mm-hmm. Skip a meal, you know, even, even if you're diabetic though. Yeah. Type, type one. Well, type one's a different story, right? Right. We've got an organ failure. Um, yeah. but yeah, even, even type one seem to do better with a, a feeding modification. Okay. Uh, but that requires physician supervision and all of that. Of course. Absolutely. We're talking about. That's out of our scope. You know, you're, you're driving down, uh, the 407 and you're late so you're doing 150 kilometers an hour Shh, don't tell anybody and you know you've got a venti frappuccino made with whole cream and there's whipped cream and you're you're shaking and you don't know what's wrong and it's it's because your metabolism's broken that's what needs to be corrected um and stay away from environmental chemistry like roundup so not to you know throw another damper on the party but roundup can cause nafld and we know that because the judge awarded $9 billion for future lawsuits. Oops. Yep. Oh, so if you have Roundup and you're using it, throw it out, dispose of it correctly. I found that in my mom's little um, gardening shed after she died of lymphoma. And, yep. I, and I had spoken about that particular case on radio. And then I suddenly just had this light bulb moment of, I called my dad in England and said, hey, dad what's in mom's shed? Cause I know that she did She hated the weeds. She oh. hated those damn dandelions. And yep. he said, Oh yeah, there's a whole jug of it here. It's nearly empty. Honestly, it's just, it's one decision at a time. That really is what it is. Don't go hide under the duvet about this. Please take this as tons of knowledge. Dr. B you've, you always blow our brains with so much information. We're so grateful for your wisdom and your knowledge that you have from the, I don't even know how many people you help in your practice. Lots. I know how busy you are, my friend. I know how busy you are. Well, thank you so much for today as always. And I'll put your details in the notes on leannephillipson.com. And also you're going to share some slides with us with some more information and some links so that listeners can, you know, take this into their own hands before they go off to their doctor and have a discussion and ask different questions. So you can just, just do a little bit more research for yourself so you know what you're dealing with. Great. Information helps us heal, Leanne. Thanks for having me. So thank you to Dr. B and just all that incredible information. I don't know about you, but every time he opens his mouth and starts giving a stat or coming up with a study or a story or something, it just... I hope you get to take away from this the breadth of that man's understanding and the way that he thinks. And I think I think we keep inviting him back on again because maybe it's because it speaks to me the way that he he talks. But um, to all of our loyal listeners, Chris, I do hope that it speaks to them as well the way that he comes across in his explanation and also just sort of some levity because that that did feel like it was pretty heavy. But we have to have these conversations. We really do because this is where you get to take ownership of your health. Now, if you want to lessen your potential or your reality of NAFOLD, I came across a stat which is a little more uplifting. 
just losing three to 6% of your body weight could reduce your liver fat levels by 35 to 40%. Now, this study that I will have in the notes came from, uh, came from Harvard. So that definitely is something that is more uplifting about this. Now, I want you to ditch that processed food and I want you to drink more water. I say this probably every single episode and there's a reason why I say it all the time. Really, skipping most processed foods, the caffeine, the alcohol and focus on the whole foods, preferably organic, because that's lessening those pesticides that that uh, that Dr. B talked about. Include those fruits and vegetables, those whole grains, those beans, those nuts, seeds, sustainably raised meats, fish, eggs, minimally processed oils. So that's not the vegetable oil. That's not the corn oil. Just stick to the olive oil and the coconut oil. It does mean that you'll be taking taking a break from a lot of the foods like that have added additives that have a really long, long list of all of those ingredients that are in there. And if you really want to up your game on your diet, nutrient dense foods are absolutely the way to go. You can check out episode 70, where we talked about what we call the perfect or the healthiest diet, which is basically the Mediterranean diet. You've got to drink that water, at least two liters of filtered water a day. Check out episode 61 for the best water filters out there. And just a quick little list, which again is also on those notes on leannephillipson.com. Some of the best foods for your liver that support that glutathione production that Dr. B talked about are almonds and artichokes, berries, all the berries every single day. Try and have some berries, whether you throw it in a smoothie or it goes onto your oatmeal or whatever that looks like. Beets. We talk about beets all the time. That betaine that's in there is incredible for your liver. Broccoli, all those greens, all of those leafy greens as well, even broccoli sprouts, citrus fruits. Put some lemon in that water that you're drinking all day long, all day long. Dandelion, we talked about that, the roots and the greens, all the fermented foods for your for your gut, as well as taking probiotic, of course, BioBoost by take and my take this by Leanne line on SproutRight.com is your way to go. You can also find just the glutathione product itself, the, the liposome Davis talked about as well there. Bone broth, just make up a whole batch and drink it like it's tea. Add onions and garlic to everything. Your liver loves those sulfur amino acids that are in there. Again, those greens, the kale, the collars, the cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, daikon radish, arugula, anything that's green, throw it in there, including green tea, not necessarily in with your greens, but have the green tea and lentils, and then some salmon, sardines, mackerel, walnuts, and flax seeds for those omega-3s. So much information, so many things, but honestly, we just, as usual, bring it back to, yes, eat this one mouthful at a time, but I'm not closing up there just yet. It is just making that next decision. So if it is a night and you're going to have that drink, as Dr. B said, Chris, you're going to go find something that has sugar on the label instead of high fructose corn syrup or any of the other names that they like to call it glucose fructose and all of those things. Again, I'll put a list in the in the show notes about that, too. So 
we're, I think we're doing something right, Chris, because I checked out something and we've got a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. So people are listening to this information and we just, as we always say, we hope so much that this has such a positive impact on your health. So if you're, this is not resonating for you, I'm not sure how it won't, uh, certain aspects of this, this episode, then pass it on, pass it on to your friends. Let them know that there's all this information that can literally be at their fingertips and in their ears. Thank you so much for being along with us today, diving into you know a deeper topic. And thank you to our loyal listener who even emailed in the first place to say, hey, can you talk about this, please? Because that's why we're doing this today. Please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. <laughs>